When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome back. We are on to another episode of Headlines. This is a 15 minutes or less no-fluff episode in which we discuss four of the biggest environmental headlines. No time for chit-chat. Let's get moving. Our first story today is all about lab-grown dairy. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know that cattle, when raised for either meat or dairy, is said to be the number one agricultural source of greenhouse gases worldwide. A potential solution has entered the chat, my friends, and it is lab-grown dairy. It's not a milk alternative. It's not an almond milk or an oat milk or a soy milk. It is an animal-free dairy product. What are you talking about, Stephanie? It's confusing, I know. So let's break it down. Dozens of companies have sprouted up in recent years and months to develop animal-free milk proteins that are made by yeast or fungi. So if you want to get technical, here's how it's done. In a lab, synthetic cow DNA is inserted into yeast, which forms a protein. That protein is then brewed, filtered, and dried, and turned into an animal-free dairy product. It's not farm-to-table, it is lab-to-table. So these products are labeled as animal-free, animal-free ice cream that actually tastes like ice cream that came from the dairy of a live cow. No cows were hurt in the process. Yogurt, real-tasting yogurt, not dairy-free yogurt, animal-free yogurt. This lab-grown dairy industry calls itself precision fermentation. Big-name food manufacturers, Nestle, Starbucks, General Mills, have already signed on. They're on board. These products, they're not GMO. They're technically vegan, maybe. I mean, they do have animal proteins inside, but no animals were harmed in the making of the dairy. Sounds interesting. But we all know that these products are going to be marketed to vegans, to concerned environmentalists, likely a young-ish subset of the population. Now, as informed consumers, I wanted to cover this story because I don't want us to make the same mistake we did when dairy-free milks came on the market, right? We all jumped on the almond milk bandwagon, myself included. With almond milk in particular, the numbers just do not match up with the marketing. Over 23,000 acres of land have been turned into almond farms to produce almond milk. It takes a ton of water also to create almond milk. So 
almond milk was marketed to us as the solution to our environmental problems, but that's not reality. And so I want to make sure that we, as informed consumers, we don't make the same mistakes. So we should be asking the precision fermentation industry, especially as it moves towards creating animal-free meat products in the lab, we should be asking some questions and we should be demanding transparency. The questions we should be asking. Now, these are just a couple off the top of my head. How does the energy and resource usage in making these products compare to animal-based items? How much waste is produced in these labs and what are you doing with it? What kind of testing has been done to understand the environmental impact of these lab-grown dairy and eventually meat products? Let's not make the same mistake twice by listening to the marketing. Let's dig a little deeper before we assume that a new product is the solution to all our environmental woes. Next up, we're talking about Norfolk Southern and specifically the train derailment that happened in Palestine, Ohio. This week, the train derailment was in the news again because the Ohio Attorney General is suing Norfolk Southern after one of their trains that was carrying toxic chemicals derailed on February 3rd. The lawsuit says that the derailment was 100% avoidable and that there are serious health risks to people and the area that are causing, quote, substantial damage to the regional economy. I wanted to cover this story today because I hear a lot about the Norfolk Southern disaster in the news, and I hear an awful lot about the plight of the citizens who live in Palestine, Ohio, and certainly the plight of Palestine residents is significant. Residents have complained of strong smells and headaches and nausea. Some have experienced rashes. There's also the concern for long-term health outcomes like changes in their liver structure and liver cancer. But I haven't heard a lot about the environmental issues associated with this gigantic chemical spill. So what was spilled? Well, the chemicals we're talking about today are vinyl chloride and butyl acetate. There are others, but these are the two we're going to cover today. The major environmental concern associated with the burning of vinyl chloride is that it may likely have created the formation of dioxins. Dioxins are highly toxic and carcinogenic, and they are extremely persistent in the environment. So once they're formed, they stick around for a good long time. They can cause reproductive and developmental problems. So not just on the citizens of Palestine, but also on all the animals and wildlife that come into contact with these dioxins as they live their lives, right? They interfere with hormones, they cause cancer, they damage immune systems, etc. Vinyl chloride in the environment is also very mobile. So if it reaches a waterway, an aquatic environment, it moves quickly, it spreads quickly, right? The number of fish that have died have climbed into the thousands in nearby streams since the February 3rd derailment. Vinyl chloride also gets embedded deep into the soil. Would you want to plant a garden and eat the tomatoes, let's say, from a garden in Palestine, Ohio right now? I would not. I would not eat that tomato personally. Would you happily and willingly drink the water that's coming out of your faucet? I don't think I would do that either. (laughs) Now, it's important to say that it's not just the village of Palestine that has been affected. It is believed that some of these chemicals 
seeped into the Ohio River, which is 300 miles north of Cincinnati. The bottom line here, and the reason I wanted to cover this story today, is that we do not yet know the environmental impact of this incident. We may likely not know for years, if not decades. The media attention is going to move on to the next big thing. It's going to go elsewhere. The camera crews are going to leave this little village in Ohio. But the effects of these chemicals on the planet and on the people and on the animals will remain. And that's because they're persistent. They do not just disappear and evaporate. They stick around for generations. Moving on to story number three, it's all about California's levees. A 74-year-old levee in California failed. Last weekend, it is just yet another example of how California's infrastructure is being tested by the state's extreme weather that it has been combating for for months and months. So let me just paint a picture for you of a failed levee. There's a sound that sounds like a gigantic roar, and then a river bursts through the levee, floods freeways, floods farms, submerges an entire town, forces thousands of residents to flee, a highway gets shut down. And so, yes, the short lens we're taking today is a levee broke. But the wider lens is that we're really not just talking about levees. We're talking about other sources of infrastructure. We're talking about power lines, strong winds downed power lines. More than 350,000 utility customers were without power. Think about that number. 350,000 customers were without power earlier this week. And now, of course, We're not just talking about California. Perhaps you'll remember Jackson, Mississippi's water system failure last August, which led, by the way, to massive flooding, or Baltimore's wastewater treatment plants that leaked dangerous amounts of sewage into the Chesapeake Bay, or dam failures in Michigan that resulted in widespread damage and evacuations. Where am I going with this? We need to pay attention to what's happening in California because it's indicative of what can happen to all geographical areas in which aging infrastructure is tested by extreme weather caused by climate change. The U.S. put a lot of money into infrastructure in the 1960s and 70s, but the problem is infrastructure requires maintenance and eventual replacement. In general, so this is not a tried and true statement, but in general, that repair and replacement is not happening. It's especially not happening in low-income communities, in communities of color. Those communities tend to see the least investment on infrastructure replacements and repairs. So the larger question that this one broken levy in California raises is this. Was the world's infrastructure designed and built to handle the problems of one world, but perhaps we no longer live in that world. We now live in a world with extreme weather events, with historic precipitation levels, with extreme temperatures. Will our local infrastructure, our national infrastructure, our global infrastructure hold? We're going to take a quick ad break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about all things airplanes. See you in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. 
As the total destination for decor and furniture, HomeThreads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. We're on to the feature story today, which is two things you should know with regard to airplanes and traveling by air. So the first little nugget of wisdom I want to impart onto you is all about turbulence. Earlier this month, you may have heard in the news, a passenger on a business jet was killed by extreme turbulence. Her death follows a similar incident on a flight traveling from Texas to Frankfurt were hospitalized with injuries after their plane encountered extreme turbulence. In December of last year, 36 people were injured during turbulence on a Hawaii Airlines flight. So what is going on? Well, we may have climate change to blame. Earth's warming, which is majorly in part due to the burning of fossil fuels, which, by the way, happens on every flight we take, is increasing the risks of bumpy flights. Wind shear is the term used to describe the degree to which wind speeds vary at different altitudes. Wind shear has increased by 15% since 1979. And when wind shear is high, those differences in wind speeds create the sky's version of an ocean's rippling waves, right? So think about an ocean. Think about waves coming into shore. High wind shear is like waves in the sky. And if anybody (laughs) is listening right now and is an expert in wind shear and atmospheric issues, you're probably laughing at me, but that's the best way I can describe it. Climate change is making wind shear and other atmospheric dynamics more common. While it used to be that a plane had to go through a cloud or go near a storm to experience turbulence, These days, there's something called clear air turbulence, which is, in fact, well, clear air that has turbulence. Bottom line here, climate change may very likely be contributing to increased and more extreme turbulence. 
Now, speaking of planes, before we say goodbye, we have to talk about advancements in airplane fuel. There's this new thing out. It's called Sustainable Aviation Fuel. It's called SAF. It's the most promising way for the aviation industry to replace fossil fuels as its fuel source in aircraft. SAF, it comes from cooking oil and corn and soybeans and algae and wood. How do these items become jet fuel? Well, refineries heat it all up, remove impurities, and the resulting product is almost identical to the kerosene that's currently being used in airplanes as jet fuel. It's not 100% carbon neutral, but it's looking in general to be much less intensive carbon-wise. Now, United Airlines has created the Sustainable Flight Fund, which is an effort to power airplanes not with petroleum, but with Sustainable Aviation Fuel, SAF. Now, of course, money always comes into play. If you like the sound of fueling the airplane you fly on with cooking oil and soybeans and algae, etc., instead of fossil fuels... Know that currently, sustainable aviation fuel is two to four times more expensive than conventional jet fuel, and somebody has to pay up, and it's, for whatever reason, not the airlines. It might be you. Yes, you. If you go to book a United Airlines flight, they will give you the opportunity to contribute to the Sustainable Aviation Fuel Fund by giving anywhere between $1 and $7 every time you buy a ticket. So you like the sound of it? You got anywhere from $1 to $7 you're willing to contribute to the fund? That sounds great. However, there are controversies, right? Why should customers have to foot the bill? Why shouldn't the airline industry be paying for the development of sustainable aviation fuel? Crazy thought. How about airlines fund the cost of their own fuel? So just something to keep in mind next time you book a flight, if you see anything about sustainable aviation fuel, think of me. I will see you on Tuesday for our regularly scheduled interview. Reach out if you need me. Happy weekend and take care.